and welcome to Incision UK in conversation with. In today's episode, we are talking to Miss Barrage. She is a neural and maxillofacial surgeon in London, and this episode was truly inspiring. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Miss Barrage. Thank you for joining Incision UK today. Are you happy to introduce yourself to our audience? Hello. Thank you for having me. My name is Dr. Natasha Louise Berridge. I'm an NHS oral and maxillofacial surgery consultant, and it's a delight to be able to participate in this podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about your story? So how did you decide to go for oral maxillofacial surgery and what has been the journey like for you? Okay, so I'm a child of three. I've got two younger siblings, two brothers. And I was born and brought up in Birmingham, the West Midlands. There are absolutely no medics in my family. Uh, my father and my mother have been formidable in their support for me, actually. They've always instilled in all of us the essence and the values of an education and working hard. And really, that you can be anything you want to, as long as you're dedicated and that you put your mind to it. You know, I think you need to have self-belief and in my circumstance I do have self-belief but that did take a bit of time to come it doesn't always resonate with people but I think certainly in my mid to late teens I knew that I could do it I knew that I had this dream that I wanted to pursue that I needed and wanted to become a surgeon that led me to doing dentistry as my first degree at uh, King's College London and whilst I was there, I had a great time, really focused, thirst for knowledge, a thirst for wanting to know more. That actually I got a scholarship from the General Dental Council to do an integrated BSc. Following on from that, I, I gained my dental degree, but knew that my absolute passion really lay with going on a bit further than just limiting my practice to the mouth and the teeth. And actually, Going on to, to do medicine, I studied medicine at the University of Southampton with the sole intention of becoming a head and neck surgeon, otherwise known as an oral and maxillofacial surgeon. It was something that I'd always wanted to do. I was immensely, immensely dedicated and uh, no one really was going to stand in my way um, of achieving my, my lifetime dreams. And here we are today. I, I've been an NHS consultant for the last six months and uh, very grateful and feeling very blessed and fortunate uh, for my journey thus far. And so if we were to talk a little bit more about your role as a consultant oral maxillofacial surgeon, so for, the, for those medical students or dental students who maybe don't really know exactly what a head and neck surgeon do, so can you tell us what do you do? What does maybe a typical day look like for you? Absolutely. So I think it's really important to realise that when you choose a surgical speciality, whilst you're training in that surgical speciality, you have to train in all core aspects of that speciality. In particular, in oral and maxillofacial surgery, it covers a wide scope of practice. It covers head and neck oncology. It covers facial trauma. It covers management of diseases of the salivary glands. It covers management of dentoalveolar conditions and infections. It covers a whole host. It also covers craniofacial work, so management of those uh, conditions where 
your patients congenitally inherit a facial deformity. There's an aspect of oral maxillofacial surgery called orthognathic surgery. Yet again, that's management of the dentofacial abnormalities of the facial skeleton. So I think you can see that it's hugely, hugely, hugely varied. And in my opinion, and this is my own humble opinion, out of all the surgical specialities, I think offers the most variety because you're covering aspects of oral medicine, surgical dentistry, but you're also covering head and neck pathology, head and neck surgery. So during my higher surgical training, and uh, to those of you that don't know, the pathway to becoming a surgeon involves doing your medical degree. Once you've done your medical degree, you then go on to do your foundation school training, which when I was training was F1 and F2. Following on from that, you're then competitively selected into a core surgical programme. And I did my core surgical training at Imperial NHS Trust. And that involves a variety of rotations. Upon successful completion of that, you then apply for your higher surgical speciality training in your chosen speciality. And it was at that stage that I applied for oral and maxillofacial surgery. Once you're there, you become an ST3, and the training varies from five to six to seven years. And that really just depends upon the surgical speciality that you've chosen. With regard to maxillofacial surgery, your training is from ST3 to ST7. And during those five years, you rotate throughout, dependent upon where your rotation is geographically, you rotate throughout a number of different hospitals covering those core maxillofacial concepts and conditions. So the training was wonderful. I worked at Greater Ormond Street Hospital, which is amazing. I've also worked at uh, University College Hospital. I've worked at the North West London University NHS Trust. And I've also done my training at the Royal London, which, as you know, is a major trauma centre. So absolutely fantastic, fantastic training opportunity there. So I really got wide and varied training in my North London rotation, which gave me the essential skills as a prerequisite to becoming an NHS consultant. My passion. So where am I today? So my absolute passion has been in the management of uh, skin cancer, actually, and uh, facial trauma. I personally believe that you can make a huge difference. Um, you're not just helping the individual, but you're also helping their families. And I find the concept of both soft tissue management and hard tissue management, particularly the post-traumatic uh, deformity stuff, hugely, hugely, hugely rewarding. That's great. Thank you. That sounds so comprehensive and so interesting. So yes, it really, it really sounds very cool. <laughs> to be honest, it does. So knowing that there's not as many women in surgical specialties, what has been your experience training uh, and now working as a neural maxillofacial surgery and being sort of so few of, of them? It's a well-known fact that in the surgical specialities, there are few women, but the numbers are increasing and that's really positive and it's really reassuring and encouraging to see. It's nice to know, it's really nice to know that the younger generation has shown an interest in this and they're inspired, hopefully, by people like myself and my other female colleagues. 
I personally feel very strongly about sharing my own journey, my own personal journey with the younger generation, because if one were to look at me, I wouldn't be the classical <laughs> visual description of what a surgeon is. But that's what I think is fabulous and fascinating is that the concept of a surgeon is changing. It's not really about what you look like. It's what you can bring to the table. So I've spoken to medical students and actually I've had people contact me that are in their last year of sixth form, just about to sit their A-levels absolutely wanting to have some guidance and a bit of mentorship when it comes to getting into medical school and fulfilling their dream of becoming a surgeon. I think the challenges of being a lady, a female, consultant or surgeon, and we'll take that back to being a surgical trainee, pretty much the same as they are in, in any profession. I think it's an absolute prerequisite. It's really, really important that you find a good and supportive mentor because there are going to be tough times. Those can't be predicted. Your surgical pathway, your surgical training is mapped out over five years, but life events happen. And it's important to be able to have that network, that supportive network um, that's there to give you advice and guidance. Um, when things aren't always looking 100%. The other thing that I think is equally important, and I think as a female, is that I appreciate that not everybody wants to have a family, but certainly in my own personal circumstances, becoming a mother was really important to me. So there is a hypothetical challenge of when do I start a family? Do I start a family before I enter higher surgical training? Do I start a family during higher surgical training? Do I wait? Do I wait until I've become a consultant and then start a family? But if I've learned anything, that's probably a decision that is taken out of your hands anyway. So that's also a consideration. And when your children come along, it's the childcare. It's the childcare and being able to combine that in a smooth way with your surgical training so that neither party, neither the children or your training uh, are hindered in any way. The other thing that I think is really important, and I haven't always been very good at this, and that is learning when to switch off. It's so important to be able to switch off. You can't let your surgical career become all consuming. And without doubt, it is a long pathway. I've actually trained for 23 years. I started my journey 23 years ago. So you have to be able to switch off. It's really important to find that fine balance between work and your personal life. And I can't recommend that enough. And I think really good ways of being able to do that myself, you know, I've taken up yoga in the past and I found that absolutely brilliant for mental well-being. And just having a space where I can relax it also allows you to reflect as well and in addition to that exercise and I, I I've just started jogging again and I think it's really important that if you have any hobbies or ambitions that you keep up with those uh, whilst pursuing your dream of becoming a surgeon and so following up on that um, what sort of what kind of advices would you give to 
a young woman who is thinking about embarking on this type of journey to become a neural maxillofacial surgeon? I would say to you, absolutely go for it. Look, I have no regrets. I feel superbly blessed to be in the situation that I'm in. And I'm inspired and I love the job that I do. You have to follow your own heart. And there'll be a lot of naysayers out there that will say, you can't do this. You can't do that. But actually what you have to realise is that this is not their dream. This is your dream. You write your own destiny. And if it's truly within your heart to want to pursue a certain pathway, then you go for it. The absolute prerequisites that have been really important for me is having a fantastic supportive family. I have a wonderfully supportive husband. Bless him, he's been through it all, the tears, the joy. <laughs> um, I've got two beautiful, beautiful children, which has come with its own challenges because both of my babies were premature and I've had to spend a significant amount of time in hospital with them, so time out of my surgical training. But they're here today and they're wonderful and they keep me grounded and allow me to be a better person but dedication resilience and hard work there's no substitute for that there's no substitute for that so that comes from within so now we're coming toward the end of our podcast and i have two questions i would like to ask you the first one is when and where were you happiest i think it's really important to appreciate that You've got to live in the present time. You've got to appreciate what you have right here, right now. It's all too easy to reflect on when I was younger. <laughs> and this was before life experience, potentially. Or just when I get my A-levels and I can get into medical school, I'll be so happy, that's it. Or just when I get my degree, just let me get that first in my integrated BSc, I'll be so happy. And just let me just let me get into my higher surgical training and then everything will be absolutely sorted. I've realized that you can't live like that. Happiness is appreciating those things that you have right there, right now. So when am I at my happiest? I'm sitting here, I'm doing this podcast to you. I've got my children around me and my husband's off working. I'm doing the job that I've always wanted to do. Happiness is right here. So the last question is, what do you consider your greatest achievement? My greatest achievement is being here, being able to tell you that everything I've ever wanted in life so far, I've managed to achieve it. And it hasn't always been easy. I'm not going to lie about that. And there have been challenges along the way. And there have been times where I've wanted to give up. But I'm here telling the story and I'm here sharing my story and my journey with you on this podcast. And Thank that you. is an achievement. Thank you so much, Miss Garage. Pleasure, pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you soon.